time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your spirit. It's alive. It's well. I thank you for this generation that is the Lion of Judah that has the authority of God on planet Earth, that you are raising them up to take places in government and business and and ministries and change the world. Father, I thank you for their lives, that they've sacrificed them for you this weekend. And I pray you just birth life into them in a new and a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're here today, and I'm Dr. Doug Weiss. And some of you may or may not know who I am. I'm a clinical psychologist. I've written many books. I've been on Oprah. I was on Dr. Phil this last week and, and, been, and um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've had a movie made about us. I mean, all kinds of stuff. We've had our own TV show on TBN. God wants to take your life, one life, and he wants to have impact around the world. So I'm not uh, just a little guy who sits in an office and sees clients. People fly from all over the country and world to come see myself and my team every week here in Colorado Springs. And I'm excited that God is releasing a generation of sexual purity because our generation has failed you. The generation before us has failed us. And we're praying to God that you're a generation that can turn back and help turn back the tide of immorality and darkness and craziness. Are you all with that? Amen. Now... I'm excited because God has given you so much. And I do understand why uh, the devil really is scared of you. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. You have good friends. And really, if you are sexually pure, I know you heard stories about Daniel and other great people. You could be one of those people that 20 years from now could be just changing the world. But I want to I talk to you today about the power of purity. Because your purity, and I'm talking about sexual purity, your sexual purity can determine whether you get to change the world or not. It can, it can make the decisions on, on, on your life and things that can trap you for decades and maybe slow you down or maybe not even get to where you're supposed to go. So I want you to know that if God made sex, it's a great gift. It's a great gift. Okay? I'm not denying that. It's wonderful. It's amazing. But that gift has a, uh, <laughs> has a container around it. How many of you like a, a warm fire on a cold night? How many of you would like your brother or sister to throw a warm fire in your bedroom? Nah. <laughs> that means all your Facebook stuff goes away and your iPod burns and your laptop burns and your cell phone is gone. I mean, see, fire in the wrong place, uncontained, destroys, right? Okay, fire can be good, it can be bad, depending on the container it's in. Okay, if it's in a fireplace, fire is awesome. Okay, I love that. But fire uncontained is dangerous and destructive. Sex is like that. Sex was made with the container of marriage, everyone say that word, marriage, in mind. Okay, it's not for before, and it's not for anyone other than your spouse. Now, you know, as Christian young people, oftentimes I hear people say, well, I'm single. I go, how do you get to be a Christian and be single? That's impossible. See, when you're a Christian, you're married to Christ Jesus. Amen? You're married to Christ Jesus. He gives you a ring, his own blood. Okay, it doesn't get better than that, girls. Amen? Okay, guys, it doesn't get better than that. See, you are not single. You're married without a spouse. 
Now that's different. See, if you're already married, you're not so insecure and needy. You don't need some guy to tell you you're cute or some girl to tell you that you're hot. You already know that because the Son of God has already spoken it over your life. You're so amazing. I'm marrying you. Out of all humanity, I'm choosing you. Walk with me and walk with me like you're already married because you are. Amen? This is just fun introductory stuff. Wait till we get to real stuff. Now, the devil has definitely amplified the battle for sex. I mean, but when I was young, you know, guys have to go steal pornography. Now it's on our computers. It's on our cell phones. And most of you, most of you have a, a cell phone you can pull up. And if you don't have a blocker on that, if your parents aren't smart enough to block the Internet on your phone, you can pull up pornography while I'm talking to you right now in church. The devil has amplified the battle. I mean, more than 80% of your, your cell phone, if it's connected to the Internet, is pure pornography. You can walk into the largest porn store ever in world history. As a Christian man or Christian woman, you can get trapped, you can get seduced, you can get reduced. And that is the devil's goal. His goal is to destroy it. So the devil, he wants to have your sexuality because he knows what's at stake. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. Your peers would like to have your sexuality, right? There's some people who'd like to mess with you, maybe some hand sex, oral sex, or vaginal sex. Oh, yeah. That's great. It's good. You're a loser for being a virgin, right? How many of you ever heard stupid people talk? I'm talking stupid people. These are the people who are going to end up destroyed, have lower self-esteem. They're going to have problems in their life. They're going to have early pregnancy, venereal diseases. I'm talking stupid people. Now, how many of you know you can follow stupid people and do stupid things? Right. Okay. Whether you're saved or not, you can do that. Now, God also wants to have your sex, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to show you what the game is. Because all this sex stuff on TV, all this sex stuff in magazines, what is this all about? Why is it that the culture and the enemy himself wants you, as a Christian person, to give up your sexual purity. What is the goal? What's he really after? Is it really about just a sex act? Is that what he's really after? No. See, when you go to war, you need to know what the prize is before you go to war. And the devil's at war after your sexuality because there's a prize he wants to get, and it has nothing to do with sex. Let's go to Revelations 2 for a moment. I've got a couple degrees, and so I can read. So if you don't want to, I can, I can just read it to you. But if you got your Bible, that's awfully good. Really proud of you. Let's go through that. Now I'm going to go through uh, Revelations chapter 2. I'm going to read almost half the chapter because it's really important, or at least a third of it. Because this tells me something uh, very powerful. But to get to the powerful, I've got to walk you through some very painful things. Okay? So here's a church. Thyatira, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right. Now, if it's red ink, who's talking? Why is this side not know that? Jesus. Okay, if it's red ink, Jesus is talking, right? Now, if I'm in the book of Revelations, is this pre or post resurrection? Post. This means Jesus has already died for the church. Okay, it's been years have gone by. Now, if you die for someone, do you think you have a different attitude towards them before you die for them or after you die for them? After you die for them, you got some attitude. I died for you. Now let's talk from that position. Right? Am I right? If you died for someone, you'd hope they would do something reasonable with your death, right? Okay, that's what Jesus would like too. He would like you to do something reasonable with your life since he died for your life. So he's he's talking to this church. Now, this is a good church. It starts off really good. 
These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds. I know your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. How many of you would like, that's really good news, right? When Jesus says, you know, you're doing good. Now, nevertheless, that's kind of a fancy way of saying but. (laughs) Okay? But I got something I want to talk about. Okay? So here he goes. I have this against you. Now, how many of you, if Jesus has something against you, it's probably good to know? Yes. Okay? So he had something against his church. You tolerate. Everyone say the word tolerate. See, God is patient, but he is not tolerant. American culture will tell you that tolerance is a virtue. God doesn't have it. He is patient. Now, that's a virtue. Aren't we all glad he's patient? But he's not tolerant. The same thing that ticked them off in the Old Testament, ticked them off in the New Testament, ticked them off after resurrection, and ticks them off until the end of time, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? How many of you know, if you got a dad, you better know what ticks him off? Because then there's a, sometimes you learn that painfully, don't you? Right? But once you learn what ticks your dad off, if you've got any IQ whatsoever, you change your behavior. Amen? So I'm about to show you Jesus gets ticked off. Okay? So just pay attention. I have this against you. Tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. So this woman is in a local church. She's a Christian woman. At least she thinks she's Christian. She's a Christian woman who's teaching like maybe adult Sunday school class or something. And she's probably in a full gospel church because, you know, Presbyterians don't have prophets. Okay? So I'm just kidding. By her teaching, she misleads my servants, who that would be the local church. So she's misleading the local church in the sexual immorality, meaning she's sexual immorality and the food um, and eating of food sacrificed by idols. So she's basically saying, you can be saved, have the blood, have the Holy Spirit, raise your hands, worship Jesus, and you can be immoral, and you can have self-sex, and you can look at pornography, and you can do whatever you want with your sexuality. It's all okay. She was teaching that in church. Can you imagine now, I understand Christians can be dumb and do dumb things, but she was teaching dumb things. Okay, so here she goes. <laughs> um, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. Let me give you a life lesson on unwilling, okay? Here's you. Here's God. When you become unwilling, you begin to move away. And what happens is that increases the arc and what she's going to whack you with because he loves you. So you think your parents can be vicious? You haven't met God. God can be really, when he whacks you, it hurts. I'm a counselor. I've been counseling people for 20 years, over 20 years, closer to 24. And um, when God whacks somebody, it really hurts. Okay, so you want to make sure you don't get that happening. So don't become unwilling. Um, So it goes on. So I will cast her. Everyone say, I will. When God says, I will, will he? Once in a while? No, every time. Okay? So I will cast her on a bed of suffering. How many want a bed of suffering made for you by God? Doesn't sound good. And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. That doesn't sound good. Unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Now you think about who's saying this. This is Jesus saying this. This isn't God of the Old Testament, thunder and and hailstones, God. This is Jesus, the one who died. 
said, if that woman keeps teaching this stuff in that church, I'm going to kill her children. That's how much it ticks me off. Now, do you think sexual morality kind of ticks Jesus off? Do you think because you're an American that makes a difference to him? Okay, just making sure you're paying attention. So, but this struck me as me. I'm like, Jesus, are you kidding? You're going to kill this girl's children? I mean, these are Sunday school kids. These are, oh my gosh, you're really angry. And can he take our life? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like the devil say, I'm going to kill you. If the devil says he's going to kill you, it's a joke because he can't. Okay? Amen. But if God tells you he's going to kill you, you better pay attention. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, so here we go. So it gets intense. All right. Um, then all the churches will know I'm he who searches hearts, your minds, and pay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you, because there's always good people in every church, in every generation, there is the church of Jesus Christ, the true church that marches through immorality and pain and war and suffering and keeps charging the gates of hell. Every generation, and you're part of that generation. Now, I say to you, who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. See, we thought this was Jezebel teaching. No, this is directly from hell. You giving up your sex in the back of seat of a car or when your mom or dad are not home are trying to go with the girl who does or the boy who will is Satan's teaching. It always will be, always was, and it will be for your children as well. And you, at some point, you're going to tell them your, your story to your children. What story do you want that to be? Well, when I was a teenager, man, I know I knew I was I was going to church, but man, I was just I was, I was immoral. I was you know I was doing drugs. I was out of control. Or you want to say, you know what? I followed him. I met him when I was young, and I followed him, and I expect you to follow him. Amen. Because you're writing your story, you're telling to your kids and your grandkids right now. You know that, right? Like some of you, are like really. I didn't think that far ahead. That's okay, you're a teenager. But you get, 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 keep, keep going. Okay, now. <laughs> now, uh, who does, Satan's called uh, deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes. Overcomes what? This spirit. You overcome this spirit that your sexuality is yours. You can do whatever you want. You overcome the lies of pornography and self-behavior and, and behavior with others. You overcome that thing. God says, I will. Everyone say, I will. Now, let's see what God will do if you choose his ways. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. See, inside your heart, there is a DNA for you to have authority over the nations. Not when you're 14, 15, or 16, but when you're 30, 40, and 50. God has put it in you. That's your normal DNA. And if you're sexually pure, you can expect it in your life. That's what the boys are after. That's what the girls are after. That's what the TV's after. They're after your future. Because your future, if pure, is powerful and cannot be stopped by the enemy. The only way he can stop you or slow you down or reduce you is to get you into sexual sin so God spanks you himself. Somebody say, man... I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. You mean all I got to do is say no to all those morons and I get to rule? I get to have authority whether I'm a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer or a soccer mom? Yeah. I know soccer moms who are, who are doing missions work, changing their world. 
anyone in Christ Jesus has authority over nations. Now, I understand this. I'm on TV regularly over, over 50 nations. I'm sure Dr. Phil aired in many countries this last week. I did an interview with a, a Spain radio station just two days ago. We're in a, a magazine this week that goes nationally. Uh, I mean, I'll, I can go on and on. I'm not blowing smoke at you. I'm telling you, if you're sexually pure, and I didn't start off pure when I was your age. I didn't know Christ. I was immoral. And Christ came into my life and he cleaned me up. And over those decades, because I've stopped the sexual sin in my life, he has given me authority over the nations. I speak and preach all over the globe. And people get saved and set free and delivered. So you have the same potential, but you have to have your purity protected. You all okay with that? Yes or no? Yes? Good. Yeah. See, I want you to be that generation that has the nations. I want you to have the nations in your heart now. So when some guy says, hey, baby, I want to I get inside. I want to mess with you, baby. You can say, China's dependent on me. I can't give it up for you. You're too small. I got nations in my heart. You got some cute little girl saying, hey, baby, have you tried this yet? No. Europe's depending on me. You're too small. What do you mean I'm too small? I got millions in my heart. I ain't giving that up for one little quick thing with you. You're too small. You're thinking too small. You see what I'm saying? When you're a global, world-thinking, changing person, you think differently. How many of you, if I said to you, listen, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you $5 million if you're sexually pure on your wedding day. How many of you think you could do that? So it's not a matter if you can, it's will you? And if you can do it for something as little as $5 million, you can certainly do it for the King of Kings who can release a lot more than that to you. Amen? So it's not a matter if you can. Now, God wants your sex too, okay? Let's go to Romans. Here's what God has here to say. All right, now, you probably have never read this scripture the way I'm about to read it to you, so just hold on, all right? Romans 12, 1, most of you memorize this, but not the way I'm about to read it to you, I guarantee it. All right, Romans, oh, I'm in Corinthians, this is the wrong chapter, let's go here. That would not have been as funny. Okay, so therefore, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your sexuality, your sex organs, your body, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the world, but be transformed. Amen? Amen. See, God wants you to have a meeting with him about your sex and say, God, it's yours. These, this, that, this, that's all yours. They're not mine. They're yours. I'm a sacrifice. Amen? And I'm praying that while you're here this week, and sometimes you, you can get with Jesus alone somewhere and say, you know what, God? It's yours. I'm not going to make those choices. All right, and I don't realize some of you made mistakes already. God's forgiving. God's grace is bigger than your, your sin. Trust me. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want you to get the heart of this. Now, I'm going to tell you something else about sex that you probably don't know. And this comes from a science perspective. Because I was in Bible school and seminary. And I went and I tried to get these... Uh, this one scripture to make sense to me because God kept telling me to read scripture. This one scripture, but I couldn't make sense out of it. So I'd ask my theology professor, my philosophy professor, and they could not answer me. 
Now, part of my job, I, I got a PhD, I write journal articles, I write books, and I had to study a lot about sex, so I'm going to explain to you something I learned. But first, let me read the Word of God, and then I'll have it make sense to you. Flee from sexual immorality. All of the sins a man commits are outside of his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now, why is this sin different than all the other sins? Okay? You know what that Greek word for body means? When you sin against your own body? What do you think that word actually means in the Greek? It means your body. It doesn't mean your soul. It doesn't mean your spirit. You sin against your body. See, when you lie, you don't sin against your body, although I don't encourage you to lie. When you steal, you don't, you don't do that, and I wouldn't encourage you to steal. Don't steal things from people. That's wrong. Okay? Uh, when you cheat, that's wrong, but you don't sin against your body. When, you, when you're sexually immoral, you sin against your own body. Here's why. When, when a sex act occurs, okay, uh, when you have an orgasm or something like that, what happens is, okay, like if your brain, we could draw your brain up here, okay, your brain gets this big flush of chemicals called endorphins and enkephalins. These are endogenous opiates. It floods your brain. The most powerful thing, it's about four times stronger than morphine. Now, here's the trick. Whatever you're looking at during that encounter, whether it's real, pornography, or fantasy, you literally glue to, attach to, hunger for, and crave. So it's like ring the bell, feed the dog, ring the bell, feed the dog, ring the bell, feed the dog. Stupid is as stupid does. Okay? So if you're looking at porn and, and they happen to have a certain color of hair or eyes, you're going to be looking for everyone like that. Okay? And you literally glue to that. So your body actually craves whatever you're looking for. That's why God says, don't get into that stuff because you don't know what I'm going to marry you to. If you're marrying, you know, you're over here with redheads in your fantasy world and I'm giving you a blonde, you're going to be frustrated. Okay? So you don't want to do that. Now, here's what's really interesting. During your age group, the, the part of the brain where this chemical stuff hits is the prefrontal cortex. This part of your brain is the only part of your brain at your age that's still growing, and it grows to about age 25 to 27. So whatever you imprint during those period of time can be really powerful. So your sexual purity is not only uh, important now, but it's important later. Okay? So if you want to have a good brain, don't get into sexual morality. Don't get into pornography. Okay? I deal with guys who are sex addicts every week in my office. We got support groups every week, telephone counseling every week. Guys who are Christian men who destroyed their brain and destroyed their life because they didn't know what they were doing was hurting their body and they were sitting against their own body. And it made them vulnerable to other things. Does that make all sense to you? Okay. So it's like ring the bell, feed the dog. Now, girls, let me tell you how to get the sickest guys in any school. The guys who are like, you know, having self-sex and they're, they're sex perverts and they want to use you and throw you away. Let me tell you how to do that. Dress like a porn star. Because, see, their brain's already attached to that. So if you look like that, they're going to, wow, whoa. They don't know that you're godly because the way you're dressed doesn't necessarily dictate that. So they'll see you as a thing, not a soul. And they'll want to use you as a thing and not a soul. So here's the rule of thumb, girls. When you go into, you know, how many of you, when you, raise, you worship, you raise your hands a little bit? Okay, good. All right. So what you do, when you're getting dressed, do your makeup, make sure it's perfect. <laughs> and what you do is I want you to do a worship test. Stand in front of the mirror and just worship. And if, I could, if you can see your you know, top and you can figure that all out, you're not dressed right. That's how you get the sick guys. The guys who want to be your friends and w- will protect you and love you, they're not into like you having to look like that. 
Amen? Okay. I know some of you, want, you want to get attention. That's not the kind of attention you want. You want the attention of well done, good and faithful servant. That's the attention you want. Amen? And if Jesus is telling you he loves you and, you, and if you don't think you're beautiful enough because he made you, then you're just believing the devil's lie to begin with. You're as beautiful as he wants you to be, and in his presence, that's absolutely beautiful. It doesn't matter what you weigh, how big one thing or another, what color, whether it curls or doesn't curl or whatever. It's perfect. I'm a dad. My daughter's perfect. Of course, she looks like me a little bit, so I'm kind of, you know. <laughs> but that's the way God says. He's like, oh, you look like me. 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 Oh. And he gets excited about you. Now, let me give you some examples of people who've been successful with purity and people who have not. These stories are familiar, so I don't have to read a whole bunch of scripture, okay? You can tell me, successful or not, Joseph. Successful. That woman, that Potiphar's wife, now she was a real problem. She was probably sleeping with all the other slaves, cheating on her husband, and she was asking Joseph to get in on the party. And Joseph said, no, I will not do it because my God. Not because you're not cute. Not because it's, it's an opportunity. I mean, guys never had sex, okay? And so, but he said no. And because he said no to that, he, did get a, he got in jail. But that promoted him to eventually being the most second powerful man in the globe of that time. He became like the vice president of the United States would be today. The second most powerful man in the world. Why? He said no to a woman when he was a teenager boy. Had he said yes to her, God would have had to choose somebody else. See, what you say no to now lets you say yes to things later. What I said no to over 25 years ago put me in a position to be able to say yes to Dr. Phil and Oprah and Good Morning America and 2020 and Fox News and thousands of other things because I said no back here. See, what you say no to can determine what you get to say yes to. Amen? Daniel, successful or not? Very successful. He was elevated to political power. And some of you, you're going to be called to be senators and house representatives and judges and lawyers. We need you as Christian people to take over the political system. It is yours to have in America. Oh, someone say amen. Don't get me preached on that. But say, amen? You're called to lead. The government shall be upon his shoulders. The shoulders is the body of Christ. That shoulder is you. And some of you are going to have to shoulder that. Okay? Jesus, aren't we glad Jesus didn't give it up for some cute little Jewish girl? Right? Now, Jesus was a, he was, you know, he was a carpenter before power tools. He had a pretty hard body. His hair probably looked okay. And when he smiled, he lighted up the room. But he was able to say no because he knew he had a mission and the whole world was depending on his sex. So you have a mission too and there's things in your future that are depending upon your choices today. Aren't we glad that Mary didn't give it up? Some cute little Jewish boy. Hey, Mary. You're looking fine today, baby. Want to give it up for something? I'm special, don't you know? I'm special. I'm 15 too. I'm special. 
What do you mean you're going to be the mother of the Savior of the world? Who told you that? What do you mean I'm not important enough? Because what God's ordained for me is bigger than what you can give me. You can't give me anything but more problems and shame and guilt. I don't need that. You're too stupid to be with me. You're asking the wrong questions. <laughs> See, Mary, because she was a virgin, was able to house the child of God. And we are so grateful for that. Now, there's some people who weren't so successful. How about Samson? Now, Samson was handsome. Samson was a natural leader. He was stronger than 10 men. He was gorgeous. But he was dumb in the head. He let some woman, hey, hey, Samson. (laughs) And he lost everything. He lost the authority. He became a captive and a slave. In our culture, we call those employees, okay? (laughs) And lost his sight, okay? So you can lose a lot. It's not worth it. How about Solomon, the brightest man in the world? Under Jesus, he was the most brightest man. He was not successful. He, did, he was not supposed to marry foreign woman. And he had a thousand wives. I and mean, what guy needs more than one, okay? But he had a thousand wives. And he started to build temples. And he became unsuccessful sexually. He wasn't supposed to do those things. And it hurt him. The, the, the strongest and the smartest Pastors, this church knows this better than anybody else. Sexual sin can damage a church. Politicians, how about the Wiener Gate? <laughs> you think what you're doing with your cell phone won't be on? You've got to be careful with that thing. And don't be sexting or sending pictures. If someone asks you to send a picture, you just call 911. See, I got a stupid person talking to me. <laughs> If you get someone on the internet trying to find out where you're going to be, you call the police. Okay? Seriously. I know people have been very injured by that. There is no such thing as a secret. Your little texting and your little thing will be exposed at some point. It will happen. Wiener didn't think he was going to get caught. I have guys in my office every week who never thought they were going to get caught. They all get caught. I'm just convinced it's just time that catches you. Okay, if, you, if you're stupid, at some point, it'll be exposed. Men, and I know that. I mean, things can happen. So, and I deal with Christians all the time who hurt themselves. So you don't want to do that. Now, guys, let me talk to you for a second. Let me talk to the girls a little bit. Let me talk to you for a moment. Let me tell you what your role is in, in dating a Christian woman. Your role is to protect her from you. You're dangerous. You are Mr. Hormone at your age. You're like a lion who's about, he's just becoming the Hulk. (laughs) You better protect your sister from you. You go meet her dad and you ask her dad if you can date her. Okay, be a man. Don't be a wuss. I'm telling you. I'm a very successful man. And if some teenage boy doesn't have the testosterone to meet me, he's not a man. And I tell my daughter, you can have a man friend, but you can't have a boyfriend because I don't want no boy in my house. So if you know Hadassah, you need to come talk to me. Don't talk to her. Come talk to me. I'll respect you. 
right? So, but set boundaries. Tell the dad when you're going to be back. Tell the dad where you're going. Talk to him and he'll respect you. And so when she doesn't like you, he'll be on your side. Oh, no, no, I know it's a rough day, and I know, I know Tommy's kind of, he had a rough night, but, you know, give him a little grace. But I'll tell you what, if you're a wuss, he will not be on your side. And when she has a bad day with you, you're right, he's, he's a jerk. You should get rid of him. You want the dad on your side. Y'all with me, guys? Okay? And it is not your job to, to check out the fruit of the woman you're dating. It's not your job. And you do that, Jesus Christ, that's his body you're touching. And I'm sure he's not feeling so good about you trying to do that. We just read exactly how he feels about you trying to do that. Amen? Let me tell you something. Every girl you date as a Christian is God's favorite daughter. You mess with a man's daughter, you're messing with the core of his heart. I don't, you don't need to fear. If you don't want to respect the dad, you better respect her father, God, because he will smite you. Now, me personally, I just would, I would smite them personally. <laughs> you know, anyway, I can't go be too specific with taping this now. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of guys, you know, that um, you need to protect. Now, if you've got a youth group, guys, if there's a loser guy coming into your youth group, you need to protect the girls from him. Tell him to go down the street to some other church. Say, our girls don't give it up. They give it up for Jesus. They're not giving it up for you. If that's what you want, go down the street. Just, I mean, you get four or five football players that huddle around a guy, and you look at me, listen, we're not doing that sexual stuff here. You understand me, son? You got five or six guys around you, and if we find that you hurt her, we will personally take you out. You don't have to worry about her dad. You don't have to worry about God. We'll take you. Now, men, men, did you hear the roar of the woman in the room? See, they're aching for a man like you, a youth group like you that protects them because some of the pastors won't. You can because you know who the snakes are. Do you know what I'm saying? And women, I tell you what, if they feel safe and protected, it makes you look more handsome. Am I right, ladies? So there you go. Less push-ups. All right, so. And I can tell you this, you know, from personal experience, you know, because I told you, when I was, in, when I was your age, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know. The guys I was told about were sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know the Son of God. So I was behaving inappropriately. You know, and so I dated a lot of attractive girls, and there was this one girl. I'll never forget her. You see, let me tell you something. You won't remember the people you were immoral with. You won't remember their names. They're not going to be important to you. I honestly can't remember most of them. Okay? But I can tell you, I remember this one person. Her name was Elsa. Elsa was just gorgeous. She was a, a track person. She was athletic. She was smart. She was beautiful. And she was saved all the way through. And I don't know why she started dating me, but when we dated, she would like... I mean, she would have Christian music when they had these things called albums, okay? And, and record players, it was the weirdest deal. But she would have me listen, and she would try to talk to me about God, stuff like that. And I was like, come on, Elsa, I don't, I don't care about that, you know? And so 
she was able to say, you know what, Doug, we're, we're on different pages, you know? See, I remember her. I don't remember the girls who gave it up. I remember Elsa. And if you want to be remembered, be the one who didn't give it up. Whether you're a guy or a gal. And guys, there's nothing cool about uh, hurting women. If you've got to hurt a girl, you're not a man. Somebody say amen. Uh, if you think you're a man, take on some guy bigger than you. You know, that'll be fun. <laughs> now, for you to be successful, there's several things. You need to commit your heart out of the heart. You need to say, Lord, I want to be pure. I want to have those things. That's an issue between you and God. It's a heart issue. And maybe you've already defiled in some way. Maybe you looked at porn, maybe you've acted out in some way. God can take care of that. His blood's more powerful than your sin. Amen? But be accountable. At your age, accountability is not exactly a real high thing. Make yourself accountable to another friend. Your youth pastor would be a great guy or gal to talk about your sexual purity. Check in with them on a regular basis about your behavior. Just say, hey, I haven't done anything. I'm clean. Nothing going on. I block, you know, get a, get a porn blocker for your computer. If your parents won't get you one, ask your pastor to put up the money. But get a, get a, get a porn blocker on your computer and your cell phone. Okay? You do not need to have a porn store in your pocket. That's just, I can't imagine that. That's just not good. Having boundaries. You know, I've got this list. I have this list here. Oh, I forgot to mention. We got some, I'm only spending a little time with you. But I got some good products. Um, this is a couple-hour DVD called Princes Take Longer Than Frogs. <laughs> and girls, I teach you how to find out what a loser looks like and what a winner looks like. And I teach you a lot of stuff about boundaries and dating and stuff like that. It's really worth your time. And then we got one for the guys because, guys, you're going to be the rulers of, of, of many things and some of the ladies as well, but you're born for war. You're in a war. Find out how to win that war, and it's that. And then we got a book out there called Sex, Men, and God, which is great. And those are out there, and if they run out, we'll just get them more. They'll be back later this afternoon. Then I got this free sheet. Now, there's... There's probably not going to be enough for everybody, but if you want more, they can print more for you. And it's called a timeline. So here's the way. You, you can take one of these and fill it out. There's a list of behaviors, and then what, how long you need to be in a relationship before you do that behavior, and then what God thinks about that. So let's just walk through it hypothetically. Okay? So holding hands. How long should I be in a relationship before I hold someone's hands? Days, weeks, months, whatever. Hugging, the side hug. The front hug. Now, girls, let me tell you something. Don't be putting your top into some guy and doing that thing. That's wrong. You know what I'm talking about. Laying next to each other, but you got your clothes fully on. You know, we're cool, but we're laying next to each other. A kiss, a peck on the cheek. How long should you be dating a man or a girl or a woman until you do that? What do you think? A week? A year? That is a world changer right there. Okay? A kiss on the lips. How long do you get the lip kiss? Marriage is good. I'll tell you what. I have a deal. Where's Hadassah? Can I share this? Where is she? Okay, I won't share it then. But I can tell you, kisses are really expensive in our house. Okay. A French kiss. How long should you know a guy or a gal until you have their tongue in your mouth. You know, tongue soup. <laughs> How long? 
Yeah, it should be marriage, but I can tell you that's that that thing you put that tongue in their mouth. That's the key to start your whole sexual problems, because you are arousing them and you are allowing them to arouse you with no boundaries. So you better know how long that is. You know, being caressed, touching each other in private places, uh, hand stimulation—all this is a whole list of things. And you figure out what it is, and then when someone wants to date you, you cover this with them. Yeah. And then you take them to your pastor, and you cover it with your pastor with them. And you say, as long as you're dating me, once a month, you and I are going to meet with our pastor. And we're going to cover make sure we're doing good. See, a lot of people who are single have planned accidents. Oh, I didn't know if we stayed out late. I didn't know if we were alone. I didn't know if he would do that. I didn't know she would do that. Of course you did. Don't be, of course you did. Now, some of you are naive, and you generally don't know what a wolf looks like. Let me tell you this. Girls, from the bottom of my heart, I have counseled ladies for over 20-some years. Let me tell you something that I've heard so often it pains me. Here's the way you know a wolf. A wolf will tell you to lie to your parents. Never lie to your parents about where you are. You are about to be raped. Hundreds of women have told me they lied to their parents so that they could go out with this boy, and the boy raped him because he knew she couldn't tell her parents where he, she really was. If a man asks you to lie, you never see him again. He's not for you. He's too stupid for you. He's not good enough for you. He is not for you. Okay? Because that'll really, really get you in trouble. Okay? Now, we only got a few more minutes left, and I just want to talk to you about something that's really important because I do realize that some of you made mistakes already. I do know some of you looked at porn. I do know some of you acted out, and that's not the unforgivable sin. You didn't quench the Holy Spirit. The fact that you're still pained about it says you're still in relationship with God. I want to just tell you something. The blood of Jesus Christ, let me just run through this with you. His blood is more powerful than your sexual sin, past, present, or future. It's more powerful, yeah. It's more powerful than all your family sins, all your city sins, all your state sins, all your nation sins, all the nations of the world's sins, all the nations of the world's sins for all time is not more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? So... I can tell you what, if the devil's got you to do something stupid, you say you got me once, but I am going to rule over you the rest of my life. Yeah. See, the devil's already going to hell. That kind of ticks him off, okay? <laughs> but I can tell you what, a teenager who can rebuke the devil is a problem in the future. <laughs> See? So you want to be sure that you can, you know, get, get, get some accountability, get some good things in your life, and really watch the things that you're watching in, in media and stuff like that. You want to do that. Now, I really want to spend the last couple minutes here, and just close your eyes for a second. Most of you raised in church, you know how to do this drill, but I want to make sure that we do a few things. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out, okay? All I'm going to ask you to do is lift your hands. I want your eyes closed. I can see all the way to the end of this room. Okay, close your eyes, really. Now, there's some in here, maybe you've been going to church, maybe you just got brought here by some set of circumstances, or maybe you were following some cute girl or some guy on a bus, and you got, you got here, okay? But I can tell you what, Jesus Christ died for you. He loves you. He's so crazy about you. He wants to have a whole life to celebrate you. And if you've never given your life to Christ Jesus, 
I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you more than that. I'm, I promise you. You are not going to walk the aisle or anything like that. There's one. Okay, good. That's so worth doing. Two, three. Jesus Christ, knock at your door. Okay, good. Another one. Praise the Lord. Okay, now, put your hands down. We're going to say a prayer for that in just a minute. How many of you, you would like to say, you know, Doug, I made a couple of mistakes. Maybe a little, maybe not even about sex, but I got something between me and God right now. I just need to say, yeah, it's there. Just raise your hand. It's there, whatever that is. All right, praise the Lord. Put your hands down. Number three, how many of you, you would just like today to be the day you commit your sexuality to Jesus for the rest of your life? Okay, many of you already have, but oh my, this is awesome. Okay, so we're going to say three prayers. So the first prayer we're all going to say together, okay, because there's about six or seven people who today want to give their life to Christ. And if you do this prayer, this is the first time, make sure you go to the information booth of Desperation tell somebody, I gave my life to Jesus, and they'll probably give you some stuff and some information to follow up. So let's all pray together. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I want you to be my friend, my BFF. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Now, the rest of us, let's just pray this all together. Jesus, yeah, 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 give them a hand. Um, Let's just deal with those other two issues real quick. Everyone just pray with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me. You know what for. Your blood's stronger than that. And I receive that. I receive my full destiny. And for those who want to do this, say, Jesus, I give you my sexuality. It's your gift to me that I give to you. Protect me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.